It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, March 16th. Your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that has some thoughts about the Flyers' front office and what they could do to turn things around a little bit. I may have a thought or two. Yeah, we're going to get into that, uh, the GM meetings, and we're going to do a prospect profile on college player Jackson Nelson, all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with the brilliant Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Flyers. That is where we post about our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at Gmail. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So if you want to see our facial expressions as we wax poetic about the Flyers, subscribe over there. Russ, we had a little bit of news from the GM meetings. Uh, most importantly, I think for us, draft lottery is May That's 8th, a biggie. So mark your calendars. <laughs> yeah. Be prepared to be bored. But it's always, you know, you know, you know what you're getting when you get into it. And I'm going to be snarky tweeting about, you know, what I see. But in the end, I still watch it, of course. Yeah, I, I'm still hoping for, you know, instead of having the GMs or whatever, just have the mascots. Yeah, they're never going to do it, but I'm in favor of it. I like it. Yeah, got to make it interesting. Um, as far as the other GM meeting news, not a ton of stuff coming out of it. You know, no playoff format changes, no expansion for now. They discuss some minor rule tweaks, but nothing significant, except for maybe the thought of expanding overtime to seven minutes. Uh, yeah, I'm good with the overtime for seven minutes. I can tell you that I don't like uh, more coaches challenges for more things like the over the glass rule. Like, look, I, I had a big discussion on Sirius about this, and I was in the minority. But after talking to a, a guy who referees, you know, when you're watching the playoffs, there's at least three or four plays of the of that a game when guys start getting gassed. And if they don't get it right, they don't get it right. But if you keep stopping and looking, and especially if they're in the corner where it's near the netting, it's got to, you're going to take make a game 10 minutes longer. You will. And, and I just I don't have any time for that. It's going to ruin the pace of the game. So I hope that they don't add any more rules to the challenge list because, again, even goaltender interference. At this point, we're all just going to argue about it anyhow. So just keep it at a minimum right. and let's just keep the game moving. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, with puck over glass, each rink is slightly different yes. in terms of where the glass and the stanchion things are. Mm -hmm. And so the bounces are weird. Like, let's just not review it and move on. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Um, there was also some, you know, minor talk about the senator's sale, which has now had the first round of bids come in. So we'll see where all of that goes. Okay, so uh, but if I'm with FanDuel, I'm making Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds Group the favorite, regardless, no matter what, no matter what anybody says, no matter what the odds are. I just have a feeling. 
Yeah. Well, supposedly there's one um, offer and that's higher than all the others. And I don't know if it's the one he's a part of, but uh, we'll see. You know, it may not be about what's higher though, because um, apparently Reynolds group has a different idea of where the uh, arena might be, not LeBreton flats. So uh, I looked it up too. And I remember I never got to a game, but the Ottawa Lynx used to play baseball uh, in Ottawa and that, that area still exists. And maybe they're going to knock that down and try and do a, a rink there. Uh, that wouldn't be a bad idea. It's, you know, people know about it. So who knows? Maybe that's their idea. All right. So turning our attention to the Flyers front office, I want to start and get a lay of the land of where we are right now in terms of the structure. And you know, we know how it's been working, right? So We've had a combination president GM. We know now that the plan is to separate those two roles, which I think is a really good thing. Mm -hmm. And then we obviously recently had the addition of Daniel Hilferty as the CEO of Comcast Spectacore, which may or may not indicate Dave Scott retiring. So that that's kind of what we know now mm -hmm. in terms of the changes. Yeah, that's that's we're caught up with that. Absolutely. So looking at the hockey ops department for the Flyers, a uh, lot of people in it. It's like, you know, you think of it as a small group, but there's actually a lot more people in it than, than you oh, think yeah. uh, looking at the list. But really, you have Brent Flair as an assistant general manager. You also have Barry Hanrahan, who's another VP, mm -hmm. assistant general manager. He's a capologist. He's not really... Right, right. So he he is not involved in the specific hockey decisions no. other than looking at the finances right. of everything. So those are kind of like your two main arms right now. And then I have what you call the old timers club, right, which is senior advisors or alumni advisor. And so that's Paul Holmgren, Bobby Clark, Bill Barber, and then the non-flyer Dean Lombardi. Right. Well, he he technically is a flyer. He just wasn't a player, but he was he was in the organization right. once. That is true. That is true. I'm just saying he wasn't a, a player. player. And 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 well, just to be fair on that, um, that has not been jettisoned. Like I, you know, nobody's been cleaned out yet. Nobody's not showing up to games. So yeah, that's kind of your your old timers club mm -hmm. there. And then you kind of dig into player personnel. Right. So you have Alan McCauley, who's the director, mm -hmm. and then you have Dave Brown, who's the head pro scout mm -hmm. with four pro scouts reporting to him. Um, then you have three college scouts that include Kyle Shiro, mm -hmm. little Nepo baby action in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, then they have seven North American amateur scouts. Uh, Joachim Grunberg is head of European scouting. And there's three European scouts plus half of Sammy Kapanen, who is also head of player development in Europe. Mm -hmm. That's the other half of his role. Um, um, player development, you have Mike O'Connell. And then you have the um, what I call the middle-aged timers group mm -hmm. of ex-flyers in player development. Although Shel Samuelson, I guess, is an old timer in the grand scheme of things. He but uh, Shel, Shel Samuelson and then more recent flyers, Nick Schultz, Chris Stewart, and Sam Moran are amongst the people. 
in player development. So the picture we get here is a lot of people, as we know, who were players on the team or have an association with the team. And when you like look at it all on paper like this or on a screen or whatever, that just it, it becomes a lot more problematic, I think, when you just see the sheer volume of that, right? Right, right. And, and, and you know, just so you understand and people out there understand, like, so, you know, a lot of times these scouting contracts and everything are up in July. Many times they're one year, sometimes they're two years. Um, so we don't know which contracts are up, but I'm sure there are mm -hmm. some that are up. So that's something to mention. As an example, uh, I'd have to relook at the European because, you know, Samuel Chiwamala uh, couldn't cut it in Liga this year. 14 games, didn't didn't get a point. And now in Mestis, he's ripping it up. But Mestis is, is a lower league. And so at 20. It's so much lower. Yeah, at 20, he's behind. Now he's now behind in his development because of everything that's gone on the last couple of years and the fact that he hasn't, you know, made it to North America yet to stay. So that. I have to relook at that whole situation. That that all needs to get looked at because this is a second round pick that they can't afford to have just, you know, go by the wayside. So that's something that should get reviewed. Yeah, there's all of this needs to get reviewed. I, I just think looking at what they have now, you know, as far as the personnel in this hockey ops or this part of the hockey ops group, right? We haven't talked about analytics yet, right. but um, looking at this part of, of hockey ops, you know, it, like we have to ask, do they have enough people? Do they have the right people? Are they getting enough of a variety of types of opinions? Uh, it's like, are you looking at former players? Are you looking at people who scout for their careers? Are you looking at, um, you know, people who have more familiarity in certain geographic areas? And is this distributed properly? Just easy looking and knowing how things are with player development. Uh, there's a real lack of experience. There's some experience there, but not enough. And just having X players in there doesn't mean you're going to have good development. So that's something like, you know, even someone like Sam Moran, like player development, why is it? Why is he doing that? If you want to have him be a scout for you, fine. But player development, you really need guys that are skilled in training and, and doing other things. Just being an ex-player doesn't check off all the boxes for that. It doesn't. Given his situation, that was something he wanted to go into. And the organization is encouraging him in that field. And so, um, you know, it seems like from what we've seen that he's getting the right mentoring and he's not you know, taking on a significant role. He's in sort of the learning process, but the organization is trying to do him a solid because. Right. But you know what? They can't do anybody solids anymore. That's my point. Yeah. They're at the point yeah. where they're in crisis and need to get things on track. They're losing money, you know, with not having enough fans in the stands. I'm sure they're making money, but you get what I'm saying. They're losing opportunities. You can't do any solids anymore. You really have to look at these things and say, okay, is this our best course of action? Like someone like Shell has been around a long time. We've seen results from the defenseman. So that I get. Right. But there's other guys, you know, Nick Schultz. I haven't seen enough results. So they need to really look at all of that. And and just, just being an ex-player doesn't make you qualified for it. And uh, there's a lot of potential changes that could be made. We have some ideas for that. And we're going to talk about those coming up next. 
The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points, scorers, and threes drained. Uh, Again, maybe bet on Joel Embiid to win the MVP. That seems pretty good to me. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, so looking at what's happening with the front office right now, including the coaching staff um, and analytics, which again is a whole other group of people um, that aren't technically in hockey ops. They're a a separate department of, of the organization. Um, You know, I have several thoughts. My, My first thought is something we have brought up on the show before in the coaching staff and you know, starting with the coaching staff, obviously John Tortorella is going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, I think he's made some improvements on the team and he understands what he's facing right now. Yeah. But we have talked about Rocky Thompson and the power play. And I, I really think we need to get a true power play specialist in here. Rocky Thompson has not been able to improve things uh, at all this season no i agree the the power play is an abomination and they really need to start from scratch for the entire organization like it's bad in lehigh now again too so whoever you get can pass on the message throughout the organization and that would be a help for everybody and along those lines i think there's some specialty coaches that can be brought in that i think would be helpful so number one i would add like a full-time skating coach for the organization. Me too. I mean, and, you know, you saw it. I, I yeah. tweeted about it against Vegas. Um, they used to have a Russian guy, forget his name. He was like unofficial though. They need an official mm-hmm. and they need, yeah. and, and it's just, and it's not just for, you know, a couple of guys that we th- need work like, you know, Tyson Forster. It's for everybody. Everybody needs to get better because when they're facing fast teams, it is so noticeable for almost everybody on the ice. Right. And this person can split their time between the Flyers and Phantoms. Yes. Like, I have no problem yeah. with that. It's not that far apart. Um, you know, spending a couple of days a week with the guys up in Allentown and mm-hmm. then, you know, a couple days a week in uh, Voorhees or depending on the travel schedules and all that. Um, but I think a full time dedicated skating coach would go a long way toward helping mitigate a at least especially in the short term getting you know some of these guys faster and helping the team be a little bit more competitive and then bringing in the prospects at a higher level right having already right. had more extensive skating coaching mm-hmm. that's where i'm at with that and then i i think we really need to your point uh, that we were just talking about uh in player development we really need somebody from the outside with an mm-hmm. outside perspective that has come from success and they can be an ex-player but i want them to have player development experience with proven success in terms of you know maybe taking uh, a lot of prospects that were maybe drafted lower and you see how they've flourished or they've you know reached their ceiling or exceeded their ceiling and somebody that just doesn't have any experience with the flyers whatsoever i think that would go a long way 
it would. And uh, honestly, uh, there are places out there, companies out there, people out there that do multi-sport. It doesn't have to be just a hockey-only person. This could be someone that's worked with hockey players, baseball players, whatever, because some of it's mental, some of it is on the ice. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things that could be worked on here, and you don't have to limit it to just a hockey person. I think that's absolutely the case. Um, then I have an interesting idea for one Eric Lindros, whose name has has gone around in terms of taking on a role with the team. And having just gone through all of this about how we need non flyers voices in the room. I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here, but I do think that there's value to Eric Lindros in the organization um, for the main reason that he was kind of shunned by the organization for a while and there had to be a reconciliation to some degree. And so to me, it feels like he's coming at, you know, interest in being involved in the organization with a healthy dose of skepticism first off. And because he he's knows what he's been through with the team Correct. before. And so he has this weird combination of being an insider and an outsider at the same time. And so I feel like his perspective is a valuable one because he is able to step away from the machine of the flyers of the eighties and nineties. Um, I think in a way that maybe some other ex flyers can't. And, um, I think given his history, I would create a new position in player development with a focus on health and rehab and mental health and assign that to him. And so for every player that's going through injuries or rehab or has mental health issues, he's there to support them and help them in whatever they're doing, helping connect with medical treatment that they need, and then also increasing the transparency of the organization, right? So he's the one that what we are without, you know, um, invalidating somebody's privacy, you know, as, as much as you would do, just reporting on progress and issues that come up and just adding a little extra layer of transparency, which has been sorely lacking from the flyers. And I think having Eric Lindros as the mouthpiece for that would go a long way. Yeah, I'm in favor of it, but you you were doing great until you mentioned transparency and this organization clearly doesn't want to be very transparent. Oh, we're t- we're talking changes though, right? Uh, yeah. So this is something that has to change and and I'm not talking realism here. I'm I know. talking this is what should happen. I, I I agree that it should happen. I don't foresee it happening though. I just I'm jaded when it comes to that. I I just don't think they want that. But I agree with your idea. I do. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's just an idea. I don't think this is a position that um, has existed before. No. In in the NHL or for any sports team, well, to my knowledge. Well, maybe a little bit. I think but... a little bit. I think there there is a little bit. But um, but yeah, I, I like it. And I think it's very forward thinking and progressive. Yeah. And I think Eric Lindros is, is the He would be a good guy for that. And because he, he also worked with the PA, so he also understands mm-hmm. all that. The inner work exactly, exactly, and that's how he can bridge the gap between the PA and the team and the player, and advocate for the players within the organization behind the scenes in the way that the PA should, but really have a a more dedicated person in house. But then also, again, provide updates. So that is my hope, wish, and dream for Eric Lindros. We'll see if it happens or not. Well, yeah, it won't. But that is my hope, wish, and dream. And you know, as far as your next note about um expanding analytics i'm only Mm -hmm. willing to expand it 
if they're getting true data scientists and they have specific roles because you don't have to get somebody who knows how to, to work hockey data. You don't because data is data. It doesn't have to be a hockey person. Sometimes it's better if you don't have hockey people doing it. So this way it's just true uh, information. And, but again, everybody has to have a specific role. Just expanding it, it's not, not enough for me. I, I don't, I don't care to expand it. I care to make it more specialized. And then if I need somebody else, I'll hire that. But right now, I feel like if you're asking me how much is analytics played into a lot of these decisions, I'm going to tell you it's less than 5%. Right. And and that's where I was going with it too, right? Mm-hmm. So if you expand the group, but have it more specific in their function and figure out a way to more effectively, again, for transparency, communicate how the analytics team is integrated with the organization. And you don't have to reveal any magic formulas or player evaluation tools or anything like that. You can say, you know, we have all these people, they have these specific different roles that, you know, they're, they're working on in terms of what focus they have and how we synthesize all that data into effective tools for, you know, Brent Flair or whoever in that job to use in evaluating players. Yeah, I just, I would like to see some evidence that more of analytics is going on in decision making, especially with the draft. There's some things you could do with draft predicting and, and other things. I'm not sure that it's really going on right now. That would be good because, again, in this draft, as an example, let's say they get no other picks. You've got the first round, and then you're waiting until the third round. Maybe you're going to look at trying to trade into the second round. Maybe you're going to look at five years of data to figure out what it's going to take for me to trade into the middle of the second round. What picks? Give me an idea of what the marketplace is for that. And then if you want to boost it a little, saying it's going to be a little harder this year, give me an idea. So you could give that to Briere and say, hey, if you want to get that second round pick, it's likely going to take this. And that's more of a tool than just kind of guessing. This is like five years of historical data at the draft. Here you go. Right. They need things like that. Those are the kinds of tools that if a GM has at his disposal, can make some really good decisions. Well, we're going to dig more into that as the rest of the season progresses and should any announcements come out. But those are our initial thoughts Mm -hmm. on the front office and some things they could do to improve. Uh, We are going to switch gears and talk about a really interesting uh, prospect with some potential in a graduating college senior coming up next. Russ, you wanted to talk about Jackson Nelson, who is a senior at the University of Minnesota graduating this year. Now, we don't have Chuck Fletcher around anymore with the Minnesota connection there, but, you know, it's a good hockey program, so it shouldn't be discounted just for that reason. And uh, Jackson is an undrafted senior who will be available as a free agent. Uh, He wears an A on his jersey, so part of the team leadership. 22 points in 35 games this year. uh, Has been a line mate of Flyers prospect Bryce Brodzinski. So Mm -hmm. a little familiarity there in terms of, you know, watching his play if you're following along with Bryce. And uh, he's, he's a big kid. 
He is. He's a big guy, 6'4", 220. Uh, he's on a really great power play unit with guys like um, Jimmy Snuggerud, as an example, uh, Logan Cooley. So you look at that and you say, hmm, why go after this guy? Well, he plays the bumper on the power play. He's got size. He has hands. Sounds like something John Tortorella might be interested in. Uh, he skates pretty well. He's a good two-way player. He, you know, he's not going to be a huge scorer, but if you put him on a good power play and and things are happening and there's, you know, pucks being shot to the net, he's going to deflect some in. And he's going to cause screens and problems for the goalie. He's it's not just like, you know, again, we've seen Tortorella put guys in that area, you know, just, you know, put Ristolainen in there. That how long did that last? Not very long. Like you can't days. just do that. There are guys that are skilled at it, you know? And this is a guy that's skilled at it. He's also a center, so you could, you know, have a a good fourth line center that could do all these things. Uh, he penalty kills. John Tortorella was asking for a penalty killer. Might want to use this guy down the road. So he would check off a lot of potential boxes for them. Why not? You've got the free contracts. You need talent. Throw him in Lehigh. See what you got. Yeah, the thing that it interests me specifically about him. Um, you know, he's got a strong two-way game, so he's really strong defensively. And at face-offs, he mm -hmm. started out really as a defensive forward. Like, that was his mm -hmm. specialty. And if you read up on, you know, what the coaches there have been saying about him is that he has improved his offensive game steadily yes, over every his year. four years at Minnesota. Um, and the 22 points he got in this season are the most he's had. As in college and so to really see that he's learning to contribute offensively when that was not really the thing that brought him into the University of Minnesota which is a top program um, the fact that they were willing to to take on a guy like him who wasn't a big scorer um, but could play an important role and then really work with him to develop other aspects of his game that shows to me that he's coachable and teachable, which is something that John Tortorella really emphasizes. Start making sure you've got to scout at every last Minnesota game that's left <laughs> this year. Make sure you're there when they get eliminated. Make sure, you know, like you got to really go after it and say there's opportunity here with this team, kid. So that's, you know, that's what you have to do. You have to be aggressive. And I would like to see them be aggressive for a player like this. We'll see, because there's going to be competition. Oh, I'm sure there will be, uh, based on everything that people have to to say about him. And, you know, especially for a guy that wasn't drafted and has a lot to prove. I yes. think that's a huge factor there, that he's going to come in wherever he signs and really put everything into the, an opportunity oh, yeah. that comes across. And that's why I like some of these guys. I mean, it is hit or miss, right? Yeah. Or absolutely. sometimes it, it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But I think, you know, taking a, a gander on a one year ELC on a guy like this, like it, it's really low risk. And it is. I, I think given this guy's skills and the fact that he's already older and more mature and he's big and can handle mm -hmm. himself, I, I think mm -hmm. just that's such a, a good option for the Flyers right now. And I think there's a certain appeal with the Flyers in terms of, yes, this organization is rebuilding, but there's a reset here. And it's not going to be, you know, just as we were talking about, in theory, things are not going to be done the same way. And so mm -hmm. I think, you know, th there's something to be said for being building being part of building something new. 
Right. And, you know, if you're going to pass on O'Brien like they think they're going to, they, they still need more centers in this organization. They do. Yep. They really do. And uh, yeah, this is a very interesting option for me, uh, for the Flyers. And I certainly hope they do what you said and uh, really, you know, start paying attention a lot and talking to mm -hmm, and and show up and really see um, what he can do in person, because I think he's pretty impressive in his complete game. Yeah, he is. There's no question. And he's going to be one of the big guys, one of the big fish to get. And, you know, if you could tell him that, you know, he could burn that first year ELC. You sign him to maybe to a two-year ELC. Uh, let him burn the first year. Tell him there's opportunity. He could play a little with the Flyers this year to get his feet wet. Mm-hmm. See what happens next year. If he goes to Lehigh, he starts out there. Fine. If not, fine. But, yeah, that's how you're going to get a player like this. It's the only way. Exactly. All right. Well, another guy to add to our list for our uh draft and prospect information and we will continue to keep an eye on what he decides to do i just want to give a quick note before we sign off for the episode about carson briere we know Mm -hmm. uh he has been um in the news a bit for not so good reasons Uh, there was video that went around showing him knocking a wheelchair down a, a set of stairs an empty wheelchair down a set of stairs on social media and um you know we were hesitant to say anything until there was a specific statement and there is one now uh so you know obviously it's separate from the flyers uh but it does affect danny breer's work uh, first week on the job and he has to talk about and he has his, to deal with that son. there's a perception there's a perception yeah. thing too like you know like hey wow okay um it's not danny's fault but okay like you know it's not great Yeah, so Carson says, uh, I'm deeply sorry for my behavior on Saturday. There's no excuse for my actions, and I will do whatever I can to make up for this serious lack of judgment. And Danny basically said, yeah, he messed up. Um, It's not what our family believes in, and he accepts uh, responsibility. And take that however you want to. Um, I'm not going to tell anybody how to feel about it, you know, especially having friends in the disabled community uh, who, you know, wheelchair is an extension of your body. And so when you damage a wheelchair, it's like you're breaking somebody's leg. And uh, I certainly hope whatever happens with the investigation at Mercyhurst, um, there is some restitution made for that person. Mm-hmm. All right. With that, uh, we will wrap up today's show with uh, some better news than that. And the Howe Foundation made a significant donation of $50,000 to Snyder Hockey. Uh, That, of course, Mark Howe, Flyers alum, uh, on behalf of Gordy Howe's uh, foundation. And Um, Marty was there the other night, too. It was nice to see Marty. Yeah, it's a big family foundation. And, um, you know, I'm certainly somebody that talks about Snyder Hockey a lot and all the good work that they do. So it's good to see some some more support for them. Yeah, it's great. They, you know, they, they were out there. They, you know, they were by the drum. They had kids with them banging the drum. It was oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Always love it when the, the Snyder Hockey kids get to do that. Yep. All right. We will be back again tomorrow. We are going to uh, talk about the weekend matchups coming up. We have a game on Friday against the Sabres 
and a game on Saturday against Carolina, who we just saw, but they're down Svechnikov. It's a little so, different now, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're going to talk about that. Uh, as a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send in any questions you have via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen today. Now make your next listen, Game to Game NHL. It's every moment, every top performance, and every result. Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. It's on the Locked On NHL feed wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day.